houses. Where once there was water, there are now fields. Many locals believe that 2021 will see the complete extinction of the former national treasure. What must be done to save what is left seems impossible at this point. Humans must leave the area. My name is Arn Oliveira, and this is a Small World Radio production. And it is 7 p.m. You're tuned to listener-sponsored non-commercial WBAI in New York City, 99.5 on the FM dial, and streaming at WBAI.org. Time now for Talk Out of School. Up in the morning and out to school The teacher is teaching the golden rule American history and practical man You study him hard and hoping to pass Working your fingers right down to the bone And the guy behind you won't leave you alone Ring, ring goes the bell The cook in the lunchroom credit Hello everyone, my name is Laini Hameson Welcome to Talk Out of School on WBAI Radio 99.5 FM and WBAI.org where we focus on issues affecting public schools here in New York City, the state level, and nationally. Our show is also available for download as a podcast. The show this week will focus on the controversy over New York State's high-stakes exit exams called the Regents' exams that students have to pass to graduate from high school and that have come into greater scrutiny in recent years. The Board of Regents have selected members to serve on a Blue Ribbon Commission to come up with recommendations as to whether these graduation requirements should be changed or stay as is especially as there are only eight states in the nation now that still require students to pass any standardized test to graduate. And here in New York, they must pass at least five. We will have two members of that Blue Ribbon Commission, a New York City parent leader and a high school teacher, as well as two parents who have been active on this issue statewide. But first, a very brief recap of this week's news. The state budget is more than a week overdue with little evident progress. As we discussed during a previous show, Governor Hochul has made the controversial proposal to raise the cap on charter schools in New York City as part of the budget that would allow 100 more charter schools in New York City, which the Office of Management and Budget said would cost the city $1.3 billion, and all of that would be diverted from our public schools. And then there's the issue of space. As Daniel Alisea, my co-host, spoke about last week, charter collocations take up increasing space in our public schools needed to lower class size. And there was a lawsuit filed a couple weeks ago on behalf of several parents and teachers, along with the teachers union, to block two charter collocations proposed in Brooklyn and Queens, mainly on those grounds. Last week, Mayor Adams released new plans to make additional cuts to all city agencies, including the Department of Education, which he said will have to cut its budget by another 3% over and above the cuts that were already planned to our schools. The new cuts of 3% may sound small, but they amount to over $400 million, which could further devastate school programming and lead to even higher class sizes. And these cuts are planned despite the fact that our schools are due to receive an additional $568 million in aid from the state. Also last week, the mayor made a deal with the police union to raise their salaries so that a five-year veteran would make $200,000 a year, plus overtime and benefits, far more than a teacher with the same longevity. But now let's turn to our guests, who will be talking about the future of New York State's regents exams, the high-stake exams that students have to graduate, have to pass to graduate with a regular high school diploma. Here with me now are Cherie Gibson and Bobson Wong, who are both members of the region's Blue Ribbon Commission, which is supposed to be coming up with proposals on whether to change the current system, and if so, how. Cherie is a longtime parent leader and current member of the New York City School Board, also called the Panel for Educational Policy, and Bobson is a high school math teacher in Queens. Welcome, Cherie and Bobson. Good evening. Thank you, Lainey. Thank you. Thank you for inviting us. My other two guests are parent advocates, Jeanette Deuterman, founder of Long Island Opt-Out, where she started the Opt-Out movement, uh, which spread throughout the state and nationwide. She's also the executive director of New York State Allies for Public Education. Welcome, Jeanette. Hi. How are you doing, Lainey? Finally, Danielle Gary is here, the founder and chair of the Pittsburgh, New York Special Education PTA and the parent of a sixth grader with autism. Thank you so much for joining us, Danielle. Thank you for having me. 
First to Bobson, can you explain what the Blue Ribbon Commission is, when it was formed, and how it is working to develop recommendations on graduation policies for New York State? Uh, sure. So the Blue Ribbon Commission uh, is a commission of uh, parents, uh, teachers, um, educators, and um, uh, other other people with a stake in education. And it was formed uh, in the fall of 2022. And the purpose of the commission is to um, meet over the next several months and come up with recommendations for uh, to the board of uh, state board of regents as to what should be done with uh, high school graduation requirements because there's a pretty clear consensus that what we're doing right now doesn't really work well for a lot of students uh, and so um, we've uh, been told that our timeline has been uh, pushed uh, forward so that uh, we'll be meeting um, we've been meeting once a month since september and uh, we'll be getting together in person uh, over the summer in Albany to come up with some final recommendations that will be made to the Board of Regents, uh, I believe, in the fall of 2023. So um, by looking at the structure of this thing from the, the uh, state education website, it seems complicated as, as that there are a lot of different committees working on different issues. And do you meet separately and as a whole or how does it work? Well, there are two. Uh, there are two sub. There are two main uh, subcommittees. There's a subcommittee for uh, measurement and assessment, which is the one that I'm on, and there's also a subcommittee on uh, program requirements and learning experiences. And uh, we've been meeting. Uh, we've been meeting virtually uh, so far, um, and I believe each subcommittee has been. Uh, I believe each subcommittee has been meeting. Well, actually, no, I think we've been meeting, meeting together. I honestly am I'm not sure. Uh, she yes. was nodding her head. Yes. <clears throat> um, but uh, it's, it's, it's been virtual meetings. Um, the meetings have been, you know, really eye-opening. Uh, you know, I have to admit that I was kind of skeptical going in because, I mean, I, 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 I was on the, I was on the uh, committee a couple of years ago that revised the Common Core Standards in New York State uh, that now become the next generation standards for math. And, um, you know, I wasn't completely happy with how that rolled out. So I was a bit skeptical about this. Um, I, I feel I feel different about this. I mean, I feel like there is a, a sense that there's a lot more listening and a lot more discussion going on. And I think one notable difference is that when the committee to revise the standards met, it was basically one meeting, four days in Albany, and it was very jam-packed. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, at the end of it, it was, it was just like, you know, it was just, just really, really intense. But this has been much more reflective because we've been meeting once a month over several months. So there's been a lot of time to kind of think about things and to um bring in different viewpoints um and, and you know the state ed employees have been very clear about uh soliciting feedback from people to help them guide their um the discussions moving forward now from my reading of the subject many states have turned away from high school exit exams in recent years and as i mentioned only 8 states still require them down from about 27 a few years ago Cherie, why have states turned away from using exit exams? And, and what are your thoughts on this? Um, I think it would be that you're, we're moving away from that because we've learned, we have data that shows that there's no one thing that, that <clears throat> there's no one test, there's no one assessment that says how you did, how you know a subject. So having these exams, these one-time exams were not true reflections of how a student is going to do in college and career, as well as some students just don't do well with the test. They may do well with, you know, in-person or projects or things that show that gives you another outlet to show that they learned what they needed to learn for high school and are prepared for college and career. So I think schools, schools, states moved away from that because there was so much room 
that for kids and they were losing kids. Kids were just like, I, I, I didn't pass the test in ninth grade, I'm out. You know, like that's the end of my life and my career. And it's not. And I think that's one of the main reasons that I had gotten involved in wanting to be on the commission when um, at the time Regent um, um, Rosa had and Regent Chin brought it up about doing this and going around and doing the regional meetings. That's when I got involved. That's even at the regional meetings, we were seated, seated with um, teachers and principals and students and listening to those who were in the trenches. It was like it, this one exam is not a good indicator of what students have learned over their high school careers or how they're going to do in college or in their careers. So why are we doing it, right? Like what is this big focus for it? Okay. And for me, it was always, as always, I'm about how do parents input in on this? How are their voice being led into this? Like the students are important. And that's one of the things I've loved about the commission meetings is we are hearing from students directly, um, just graduated, some are in college, some are working, and they're talking about what they didn't learn, what they needed, what they felt they should have gotten and what we can do better. And one of the things that I always keep hearing is like, okay, these are the students and this is what they're doing. But if you want students to do something, you got to bring their parents along, right? <laughs> because the parents are the ones who are going to be like, okay, this might not have happened, but I know these other options for you, right? So it's not just one or the other, it's both of them. And so we heard from a lot of the students that were talking about, you know, their parents didn't understand regents and this whole having to do regents and having to get it from, they entered school. And so if something went wrong, they felt that it was over and shut out and their parents didn't know any other options or any other information. So we're not doing a very good job of making sure that parents are informed and participating in their students' um, pathway to graduation. And so even with a regents, even with a test, they're still not getting the information and the students don't have another outlet or the right support to be able to push forward. And so that's something that is coming through very clear in the commission meetings, as well as we just, I like the fact that we're learning from, I will have to agree with um, Bobson about the real intentionality from the New York State Ed in terms of we've looked at what other states are doing, we've looked at what other countries are doing, you know, kind of thing and looking at those options with no push, no pushing us one way or other, just here's the information, here's some questions, how do you guys feel about it? And we start talking about it as a big group and then we break into small groups and we talk about it and push back. Or the, but there hasn't been, and I, I appreciate that where it's not, well, this is the way we want you to go. So we're just going to push information to you that direction. It has literally been, here's, here's data, here's information, here's what other places are doing, here's what the students are saying, here's what you know we are saying as educators, talk about it, input. And stuff. So I do look forward to the summer when we get in person because that I'm assuming is the time where we really dig into what the recommendations will be. So I've looked at some of the research on this issue of, of exit exams or high stakes uh, exams needed to graduate. And what a lot of the research says is that uh, the use of these exams are not associated with more learning or higher achievement but higher dropout and incarceration rates, especially for marginalized youth. Jeanette, your groups, uh, Opt Out, Long Island, and NYSAPE, have advocated against the use of high-stakes tests in general. Um, do, do, do your groups have a position on the regents' exams? Yeah, so my focus when it comes to this, uh, you know, sitting on this task force and participating is not, I, I think, feel like there's two sides of it. There's the side of, what we want kids to know, whether kids, you know, should sit for this exam and have that be the determining factor of whether they graduate, even though they've been through 12 years of, you know, we want to say successful schooling. Um, I also have a really big focus on what the tests actually do to the courses themselves. Um, so uh, my, my father, just an example, was a physics teacher. And I've asked him, you know, what how would you have felt or what would you have done differently if there wasn't a regents exam tied to the end of your course? And um, now, of course, that's not a graduation requirement. But again, you're still teaching to a test. You, there, you have no choice. Like that's what your 
that's what the final result of this whole coursework. And he said, you know, oh my God, we would have done so many more things. I would have, if it's, if I saw the class was really into a particular topic, I would have gone in that direction and spent an extra week or so on that. I would have brought more things in based on who I have in front of me. And that's what really bothers me about, um, about the regents exams is that it has, and just like all the other standardized tests that we fight against, and it's because of what it's doing to the, the classroom and the learning experience of these kids that it is actually, you know, it's really significantly has altered this coursework and stripped it down from such an enriching experience that is, that has the potential of really igniting some of these passions of these students. And it's turned it into, you know, my son comes home, um, he's in physics, he's in, you know, he takes a number of regents courses and, you know, it's like all his homeworks are old regents tests and the studying is all old regents. All the tests are old regents questions. Like I'm looking at some of his homework. I'm like, I think I did all those questions myself you know, how many years ago. So, you know, I'm kind of thinking we ha- we can do so much better and we can do so much more with these courses and really, and, and really get these kids to um, be engaged. That's, you know, teachers always talk about how they have so much trouble engaging these kids. Well, I really think this is one of the reasons, um, you know, when you come in, I've, I've sat in back to school nights where the teachers come in and say, you know, all my students get over a 90 on the regents and we're going to, you know, it's almost like, whoa, whoa, you know, is that, is that what this is about? Cause I don't want that to be what this is about. Um, so I really think that's a, that's a big reason, um, why this all needs to shift. So just to make it clear to our listeners, um, even though they, uh, students are supposed to pass five regents, there are regions in almost every subject, regions exams in almost yes. every subject in high school, including physics. And though it's not a requirement for graduation, it still helps determine the curriculum of the course. Oh, absolutely. Um, because every school wants to have their students do well on these exams. Now, according to the organization Fair Test, quote, individuals with disabilities, English language learners, members of disenfranchised populations, and students from low-income families are far more likely to be denied diplomas for not passing these exams. Danielle, you're the parent of a special needs student. You're also a member of something called the Coalition for Multiple Pathways to a Diploma. What are your thoughts on this issue? Well, um, my first and initial thought comes from, I have been a public school educator for 16 years. Um, and this last past year, I transitioned to the University of Rochester as an education specialist. So I've worked many years and, and primarily in Texas, where also state tests are tied to graduation measures. Um, it is a very difficult experience as an educator to watch students who do come from those marginalized groups, um, students who have had um, different upbringings and have uh, conquered adversity at multiple levels, um, to see them fear a test and to witness educators feeling the pressure of having to teach to a test is, it's not best practice. Best practice is using universal design for learning and creating deep, rigorous learning experiences that do foster that love of learning for students. My my own student in particular is um, a 12-year-old student who loves science, loves learning facts, loves art and music, and we take such a strengths-based approach with him and have conquered um, all of the obstacles in his path, but he is not a standardized kid. He's not a standardized test taker. Um, the anxiety alone that that would bring for him has caused us to opt him out almost every single time because it is a huge stressor that is not indicative of his performance. So when I returned to New York State with my family, recently realizing that New York State was still tying graduation measures to the Regents exam, which I graduated with a Regents diploma in 1993, I I guess it had shocked me to learn that my son, who is magnificent and extremely bright, could be at risk of not receiving a diploma 
because I don't know if he would be able to handle the rigor of the Regents test. Now, could he engage in performance-based learning? Absolutely. I've been very excited to see those options opening up through the New York State Department of Education's conversations as well. He is a very hands-on kid. Um, and I've seen this with many different types of students. And I have um, taught every subject in the middle school level. And I've seen students really able to express their intelligence and their ability in such creative ways only break into tears the morning of a test. And it, it was so intense when I taught sixth grade language arts in Texas that I refused to speak of the test. I did not name it. We never practiced it. I refused to allow practice questions. I taught rich, rigorous experiences. We read rich literature. We explored different genres. We wrote until our hands hurt. We, we really had a great time. And it was the best experience of my teaching career to, to simply, you know, not talk about it. Yes, students had to come and take that test that day. We never talked about it. I took all the stress of it away, but there were still students who would walk in that morning and just buckle at the pressure of this test is everything. And that was in sixth grade. So, that, you know, they were already thinking, if this doesn't go well for me, what next? And that is that is too much pressure. And it, and it takes the love of learning right out from their hands. So uh, thank you for that. This is Leonie Hameson on Talk Out of School on WBAI 99.5 FM or WBAI.org, and I've been talking to teacher Bobson Wong and parent leader Cherie Gibson, members of the Blue Ribbon Commission on Graduation Measures, about um, what our state's system of high-stakes graduation exams um, do to kids, how it might be altered, and what should replace it. Also, two parent activists, Jeanette Deuterman and Danielle Gary. Bobson. As a teacher, what are your thoughts on this? I've spoken to social studies teachers who say the region's exams really constrain what they can teach. For example, one teacher told me he had a class full of Haitian students who really wanted to spend time learning about the Haitian Revolution, but he had only about a half an hour to devote to it because he had to get to so many other topics. I kind of expect that's sort of different in math, but um, I wonder what your point of view is. Yeah, so... Um... In, in math, you know, there, there, there is so much content that needs to be covered. And so, so much of our curriculum is basically a list of skills that need to be done. And in the interest, in, in the interest of full disclosure, I should say that, um, I am a, an educational specialist for the state, which basically means that I actually write and edit regents, regents exam questions for algebra two. So I kind of have a, a, a a unique perspective on, on this as, as both someone who has to teach to a test and as someone who helps to write these tests. And as someone who writes these test questions, I will be the first one to say that I think that the exams as they are now are, are terribly flawed. You know, they, they, uh, I have kids who break down when, when they have to, when they're faced with taking these tests. And I don't think they do a very good job of, of measuring what students know. Um, you know, the, the reality is that, that as, you know, as teachers, we teach to whatever final exam or final project or final assessment, uh, are, is given to our students. And so I wonder, you know, um, the Regents exam, you know, does not have to be a standardized test because when we have a standardized test, you basically guarantee that a certain percentage of students will fail. And, and why should we do that? Why can't we have um, some kind of um, final assessment, call it a regions exam, call it whatever, where it, it's not all done in three hours? You know, um, in science classes, we have labs, right? And labs are done throughout the year. And if you don't fulfill the lab requirement, you're not allowed to sit for the regions exam. You are literally barred from the exam. Um, and and if you think about a lab, a lab is essentially a a, a take home, or in class, you know, it's an in class project based assessment. 
why can't we have this for every subject? Why can't in, you know, there are, there are uh, little discovery type projects that you can do in every subject. In math, you can do these discovery activities. Um, in, in social studies, you can look at a, a, a string of documents and come up with an argument, essentially a, a document-based question, a DBQ. Um, you know, we, we can, th there are ways I think that we can rethink what we call an exam. An exam does not have to be a bunch of multiple choice questions. I mean, why, why should we have multiple choice questions on any final exam? It's only because they're easy to grade. Um, imagine, imagine if a regents exam were, uh, for math, say, 20 free response questions, some short, some long. Imagine if every um, regents exam had an oral component, just like in a foreign language exam, where you would sit down with the teacher and the teacher would ask you a question and you would have to answer it. Because, you know, in the real world, you know, um, someone asks you a question in a meeting and you don't say, well, let me Google it and get back to you. You have to answer a question right there that, you know, and so, you know, that that's a real world experience that is, is not adequately uh, measured in, in a three hour paper and, and pencil exam. So, um, you know, uh let, let's yeah the regents exams right now are are not very uh good at measuring what students know why don't we just you know rethink what constitutes a final exam based on all the other measures that people are are already using uh to assess students well i have a thought about have sitting down with every student i mean given our class sizes which you all know is one of my obsessions it would be very time consuming i'm sure you have a class classes of 34, is that right, Bobson? 34, probably five right. classes of 34. Right. That's a hundred and more than 160 students. It would take a lot of time, but um, I understand what you mean. And it actually makes a good segue into the next topic, which is in New York City. And I think a few elsewhere in the state, we have a bunch of portfolio schools, which are basically schools that use performance-based assessments where students have to research and complete uh, major projects in each subject area, ELA, social studies, math, and science, and then defend their work before a board of advisors. Um, kids who've gone through that process and teachers have said that that compared to the regents exams, this it's a real important learning experience in and of itself to prepare these projects and defend them. Cherie, has there been any discussion among commission members about expanding this program in New York State and are replacing the regents exams with such a system and what are your thoughts about it so not specifically in terms of so you have representation on the commission from schools of that and so they of course speak to what they are and those of us who have experienced either have students or the of it speak towards that. I think one of the things I will bring up that for it, that sometimes because we're in the city and New York City or big or urban cities have access to a lot of things that I'm grateful for those who are in other parts of upstate who speak to in rural areas, some of this is an impossibility for them, right? In terms of that performance space or those folks or what, those kind of things. So we have to keep that Why as Why is well. it impossible? Just as that they might not have access, the amount of access within their rural commun community for some of the outside things that would be needed to like going to a lawyer's office or, you know, some of these project-based things they always bring up, like, just keep in mind, we are coming from communities may, that do not have that resource, right? So it it does, it keeps in mind. Being on this commission, I have um, spoken to, like, for us at this consortium, it's something they've gone further, deeper affinity schools into how they do it, right? Like, for them, their concern is if we do keep or mandate the regents, it changes how they work and function as a school. And my niece went to um, a consortium school and it was eye opening for me to know like this is like some of the names of classes. I'm like, what happened to just math reading? You know, like kind of things. But she was excited about it and she was mm -hmm. engaged in school in a way. And her final project, 
this thing was on business, you know, like I'm corporate, like business school level things of what she had to work on and research and the way, and she was so engaged, frustrated and stuff, but worked it out. And when she had to defend that proposal, you know, what her project and everything, it taught her so much that she was way prepared to be able to handle herself in college or even in work world, right? And this was a very different setup of a school, different kind of thing, but she had a grasp and a handle that others in her age group didn't. So I look at it and think about it in terms of these performance space or projects or look at different ways of teaching are preparing them for college or career in ways that what we're doing now isn't. And we had students who spoke to that, you know, that have come onto the commission and some of our meetings. We've had, um, we've done a, what is it, of the Department of Labor, New York State Department of Labor came and did a presentation on surveys and data that they have done about what employers are looking for, for their, why they have so many open positions, what skills and stuff. And then we had presentations from SUNY, CUNY, and Long Island University saying, for professors saying, what kind of skills, what are their students lacking? And everything that they said was not something that we're teaching or assessing, you know, in school. So it's like time management, their writing skills need to be stronger. You know, they're so it's like, okay, if you guys, if we want to pivot, you're going to have to bring parents along to understand how do you assess that my child understands time management? You have to now change our thinking that it's not about a math algebra regions. It's about how do they map out their time or how do they write? And I, I agree with Bobson on the test doesn't have to be the standardized written test. It can be a different kind of thing. Like none, none of the kids ever said, or even none of us in this commission have ever said not to assess children right not to assess them what they know or stuff but one of the students did share with us he said you know assess that we have the concept that we understand the thing that we're talking about not that we can just figure out and check off the things like do let me delve into it and show you that I have the overall concept and understanding and I was like well, that's what we thought we were doing you know <laughs> like that's what we thought these are doing obviously it's not and so we do need to relook at and you do have models doing it affinity schools consortium schools they are doing it and are successful in it so what can we take from that and do statewide considering what we need to keep because the other parts that we always have to keep in mind is our students with disabilities is our um, English language learners and multilingual learners, allowing it to be accessible for them as well. Right. Well, there's a lot of material on the commission web pages about moving towards a system of multiple pathways. But one of my concerns about this idea that it may be overly complex for many parents and students to navigate all the different options, particularly those who don't have time to invest in researching them, and particularly those who attend schools with limited numbers of counselors and resources. And so I'm very concerned that possibly we will be making a complicated system even more complicated in certain ways for, for parents and students to navigate. Jeanette, do you have ideas about this? Thoughts on that? Yes. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's a lot of parents, uh, even with Long Island Opt Out, you know, we have a, a Facebook page where we have a lot of interaction with parents and, you know, there is a lot of parents that just say, I don't understand. What is the CDOS? What is the pathway? What, what do I do? How do I navigate this? Where do I go? Um, you know, and I think that that's one, that is a concern that, that there's, it's almost like, let's, let's simplify. Let's, let's make this a little easier for parents to navigate this, this whole system and to very simply, you know, again, you look at other states where, you know, it's simply, that, that the students get through the 12 years. They, is it one test or is it two tests where I feel like we have now added on because I think there is also a fear of, you know, making everybody happy. And, and I think that some of that can go too far where then we build in, okay, well, this will satisfy this group. This will satisfy that. This will satisfy that. And then now you have this massive system of all these different options, but yet it, it, it almost makes it less accessible because it's so much. So I really think that that needs to be looked at a little bit. And, and instead of adding on, adding on, adding on yet another, yet another, 
you know, let's bring it back and simplify that. So another concern I have is that there was a survey put out by the commission or by um, uh, New York State Education Department that asked a bunch of questions um, to community members and parents as to what high school graduates should optimally, optimally know and be able to do. And I think that was the wrong question because optimally, I would like all high school students to know calculus, to know how to do statistics, to be able to write excellent essays, to know U.S. history backwards and forwards, have ex great experience in the portfolio in art and music. But I would never say that every student should be required to learn all that and to succeed at all that to be able to graduate from high school. I think that that's completely unrealistic. So that really made me afraid when I saw how those questions were posed uh, by the commission or by the state education department. Danielle, do you have thoughts about that? I do, um, and I really do appreciate the information that both Bobson, Cherie, and Jeanette had um, included. And I do feel very strongly that it should be more of a, a portfolio approach. You know, what are we what are we looking at? Um, not every student is going to have really high quality work in science. Not every student is going to have their achievement reaching high, the highest standards of math or even a foreign language. These are things that I think when we, the public school system, start to act as the obstacle to a student achieving their dreams, we have to really scrutinize what are we doing? Are we creating these ambiguous check boxes that students are just jumping through these hoops? And very much like Jeanette just said, um, the parents are also, we are jumping through the hoops as well. So having a child that does have special needs, um, I spent my entire winter break researching CDOS, all of these credential versus diploma options. And I was, I went down the rabbit hole and I realized it's marginalizing, period. It is marginalizing English language learners. It is marginalizing students who have learning disabilities. It is marginalizing, and we know for a fact because the statistics already show that there are higher dropout rates for students of color, students from low-income backgrounds, forget the intersectionality of if they have a disability. We know that the rate of people who are incarcerated, are it's so much higher for people with disabilities. Um, these are issues that we can address with our educational design in public school. And we cannot be the ones to close the door on students when we're actually supposed to be the entities that are helping them to achieve what they want to next. So yes, what you're saying is, is exactly, um, I think, my central conviction of wanting to be a part of this advocacy because we have students that are going to have a variety, a spectrum of skills, strengths and deficits. And it should really be up to students and their families to determine how are they going to pursue their dreams. It's not, it's not um, conducive to growth to allow one test per year to determine if that student has been excelling at that rate. Because frankly, teaching to the test is a waste of a teacher's time. And no teachers get into education to teach to a test. They get into an educational position because they're wanting to help other students learn. They're wanting to help with that objectivity, that creating something magical in the classroom. And, you know, great teachers can still do that and maintain high levels of excellence. It's the test that is flawed. It is the test that can become the obstacle to a student achieving greatness. And Lena, so, um, okay. Oh, go ahead, Sheree. Sorry. There's like, just add, I do want to say is like at the beginning of us meeting as a commission, we went through the current <laughs> pathways and, and pretty much across the board, everybody was like, this is way too complicated, right? Like two different things from educators to parents to superintendents, everybody, nobody on it said, we're, this is great. Let's add on to it. It was pretty much whatever we do, keep it, let's streamline what we have if there's, and then, you know, slim it down and make sure that we're making it simple for parents, families, the students, 
teachers, their counselors, and everybody to be able to guide them through what they need to know to get to that way. So I do think one thing to come out of that is that we will streamline what it is and make it simpler for everyone to understand. (laughs) Just to make it clear to the listeners, the CDOC or whatever it's called is an alternative diploma, which now they offer to kids with special needs um, or kids, I think, who have failed the test a couple times. And um, it's really not a regular high school diploma. And so it's very stigmatizing and it's not accepted as a regular diploma. So we don't want to add on all these options that may not, you know, be in objectively considered worthy of of achieving. Um, So, okay, if I take some calls, I think we we may have a caller already, but callers, if you have comments or questions for our guests or ideas about what you think the current system of Regents exams should, um, whether it should be gotten rid of, whether there should be alternative pathways, um, what do you think students should have to accomplish to graduate from high school in New York, um, please call us at 212-209-2877. Again, that's 212-209-2877. So uh, we do have a caller on the line. Caller, could you say your name, where you're from, and, and what your comment or question is? Hi, my name is Ethel, and I'm calling from the Bronx. And I'm a grandparent, parent, my daughter, um, has her children, but I am just like amazed and happy that this is on. And I came in maybe when you all were talking. Could today. you speak a little bit louder? I'm uh, sorry, I'm having trouble hearing oh, you. Oh, I'm so sorry. I, I, I was saying that I came in like maybe an hour later, and I just wanted to find out how to get the names of the persons? Is there a way for us to reach out to them? Because I was also wondering if it's only for high school students, what about elementary school um, students? Because they have these exams coming up in eight, in you know, this month and next month for the math, ELA. And a lot of kids are stressed out. You have bright kids that are stressed out. And I'm trying to figure out more how the students can get help because it's as if if they fail, and I remember this years ago, it says if they're preparing the children for the uh, incarceration. It's, right. It's really Well, bad. unfortunately, Jeanette has, has left, but there is an organization called New York City Opt-Out, and you can Google their website, and they have instructions on how your grandchild can opt out of the test, how um, their parent or guardian can write a note to the principal asking them to opt out. There's also a very widely uh, used Facebook page called Long Island Opt Out, which has mm-hmm. comments um, and ideas from all over the country about opting out of tests. This show um, is specifically about the high school exams, but I think you're okay. absolutely right that students at every age level feel stress and there's too mm-hmm. much pressure put on them to pass these standardized tests. Luckily, they don't have, they, it doesn't, it doesn't stop them from graduating and moving on to the next grade, but they're still very, very stressful. So I, 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 I hope that you reach out to um, either Long Island Opt Out on Facebook or Google New York City Opt Out because they will have ideas about how if you decide and if your uh, grandchild's uh, guardian or parent decides that they want to have their child opting out, it is your legal right under New York City law and thank you thank you for calling in oh, uh, we I have um, more callers thank on you. the line um next caller what's your name where you're from and what is your question and concern about high stakes tests at the exit exams for high school the regents exams specifically hi can you hear me you're a little bit low speak up a little bit okay um i'm calling from queens i was just curious about uh, specifically for the person you said had just left, she had talked about going to an open teacher night and the teacher speaking on the fact that everyone got above 90s on their physics regents. Um, there's other things in play here in regards to regents exams and teachers. Um, I mean, a good percentage of my evaluation every year is on the performance of my students and how they do on those exams. So. 
a lot of times we don't, although I think the regents' exams are unnecessary and they're very problematic, you can't really as a teacher say, I want to completely get rid of this because that's how you're being evaluated by UFT, CSA, the New York State Education Department. So like, what's going to be the answer then? So I had thought that in New York City and elsewhere in the state, the test-based evaluation system for teachers had been eliminated. I may no, be wrong. For Boston. community schools, for the most part, for, for the younger kids it has. I've been on my measures of student learning committee for the past four years, five years, with the exception of the waivers and the, you know, COVID. Now, we've always, high school teachers have always been evaluated, and Bobson can probably comment on this. Yes. Um, um, uh, this is Bobson. I, uh, I'm on my school's measures of students' learning uh, committee as well, and basically high school teachers are, all high school teachers are uh, evaluated based on our students' regents' exam scores. There's another way to evaluate for teachers to be evaluated as well, um, right, which is this kind of growth uh, growth measure, which which we, we don't want to get into because that's just a, a yeah, that's very I, I know vague. what you're talking about, Boston, right. but yes, but, that but, is a whole right, other but, argument. Right. But but the bottom line is that um, the caller makes a good point: is that um, if we say let's get rid of regents' exams, there are a whole lot of other things that need to be thought through. Like, very simply, how do we evaluate teachers? Because, you know, we have to evaluate teachers somehow, right? That That's the pressure that, that society puts on teachers. We can't just say that every teacher is good. And but so, if you know, elementary and middle school teachers aren't evaluated on the basis of their students' test scores, why can't high school teachers? I, I think they there's are. there's no opting sure. out of regions. You can't yes. opt out of sitting for the regions, whereas in a K-8 setting for the New York State exams, you can. This is a graduation requirement. I mean, I, I think that um, I guess m m the, the point that I would make is that, um, you know, <clears throat> I agree that the regents exams are are have have a lot of problems as is. You know, one thing I will say in defense of regents exams is that it, it does provide a, a kind of uniform standard. And unlike a lot of other standardized tests, regents exams, state New York State regents exams are the only exams that I know of that are actually written by teachers. The SAT well, is the not the right. education department claims every year that the three, third through eighth grade exam questions are created and vetted by teachers, though I, I, I have a lot of skepticism about that because apparently what really happens is the test company comes and gives them a choice of right. certain questions and they can rule some out, but they right. don't really come up with them. I just, but, you know, if you think that the regents are an invalid measure of learning, then it necessarily flows from that, that they're an, an invalid way of measuring the quality of their teachers. Uh, Danielle, you right. wanted and, to say something about this? I think we may feel that way, but we don't have a say because whether I'm effective or highly effective depends on those scores. Right. So if the regents are are gotten rid of or something else is put in its place, clearly the teacher evaluation systems have got to change as well. I think that one thing flows, uh, you know, logically from the other. Danielle, what did you want to say about this? I just um, I, I empathize as a educator as well. I empathize with the caller. Um, and I do believe that they need to invest in more creative ways to be able to evaluate educators. But it, just the fact that we would be decoupling exams from the graduation requirements does not mean that we would be abandoning assessments. It does not mean that we would be lowering our standards. It would just mean that the student is not required to pass five tests in order to graduate. So it's, I, I, I see both points, but um, decoupling that the regents exam from that expectation that every student must pass that in order to graduate is is really truly what I think the the most powerful um, component here is. I guess okay. teachers are worried that if their kids don't have to pass the test, they're not going to work as hard. They're not going to pass it in as great numbers and the teacher will be penalized for that. 
but um, I just think that um, that's not a good reason to keep a test which you think is inherently invalid. Um, do we have another caller on the line? Um, if so, uh, yes, uh, please uh, state your name, where you're from, and what your question or concern is. Oh, good evening. Is this, is this me? Yeah, speak up a little. Okay. Um, what are the problems in education? See, there's a psychological function that has to be in place for a child to learn, and what that is is focus, concentration, critical thinking, problem solving, anticipation, and remember. Any emotional problem coming out of home or in a shelter where they might be and they don't have those functions in place, they're not going to learn. You have to be able to think critically and solve problems. Another thing, the classrooms are too large, and they have it that way simply because they want a certain amount of people to fail so they can have people for low-paying jobs in the prisons, and then they get their labor free. Thank you for hearing me. I agree 100%. Class size is my passion. I think our schools are not set up for success in general for all students, but are set up to have a lot of students fail. So we need to reduce class sizes, but at the same time, I think we need an assessment system which engages students and encourages them to learn from the assessment rather than um, the current system. So thank you so much for your uh, call. Um, we have one more caller on the line, I think. Could you uh, state your name, where you're from, and, and what your question or concern is about these high-stakes exams? Daryl McPherson, Bronx, New York. And may I call you Lainey? Of course. Please. Okay. With much respect, what was totally frightening was the terror in the voice of the teacher who has the ability to determine whether her students have learned their lessons or not. Why would you link? I've been, I've been, recently I've been looking at a lot of information on artificial intelligence ever since people started talking about chat GPT. And the world that we're, we're educating people in, in lower grades has absolutely zero to do with what the expectation is going to be 10 years from now or 20 years from now. So wouldn't it be wise to have pedagogical, pedi pedi oh, goodness. You know what I'm Pedagogical. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Pedi pedi Say it one more time, Amy. Pedagogical. Pedagogical people determine how people can be evaluated. I mean, why are you letting... Why are we letting testing companies ruin children's lives if, if it's taking time away from the interaction between the student, the teacher, but however, more importantly, the knowledge? I mean, I listen to these machine learning people, and I listen to these physicists and, and, and linguists, and, hey, the stuff that I, I went to school most of the stuff was all lies anyway. So why don't we really concentrate on the professionals who have researched rather than the bureaucrats who haven't a clue and doesn't, don't care really. I mean, $94 billion, Michael Bloomberg, he was mayor here. Is that correct? Yeah. Why are we cutting school budgets? There are a hundred billionaires that live in this town. And just to throw it out, Everybody should be a buddy of talk out of school because you have children. And if you don't have children, they're going to grow up, right? Who's going to support you when you're on Social Security if everybody is talking silliness? So with regard to the testing, have the professionals, and I'm talking about the pedagogical professionals, not the testing professionals, develop the evaluation for the students and then Unleash the teachers to teach. You should have a minimum of three people in that classroom and a maximum of 20 students. We have the money to do this. Thank you so know. much. Um, your words, I'm sure, stuff. resonate with everybody who's been listening um, to you. I think with ChatGPT and all the uh, AI chatbots that have been 
um, invented, it turns out they pass every single standardized test, including the law boards, which shows you at the level that we're teaching students, we have to teach them something that transcends the ability to pass a standardized test. Um, Can I just say, like some of the, the like some of the things that the this call and the previous one talked about the overall larger skill sets that we can be talk about is things that we talk about because we don't know five years, ten years, twenty years from now what is going to be the big next big thing. But there are some specific things that critical thinking, as the call call ahead mentioned, can they get something and problem solve? Can they work through it? But like those are things that we can teach through what we know now. And those are the things that we're looking at and focus on. I think you do have to have the conversation if teachers, high, not if as high school teachers are being evaluated by these things, you need to have a different evaluation conversation. And as we said earlier, you know, we're not saying do away with the completely with the regions is should it be the only factor in determining how you graduate. So then it becomes should it be the only factor that they look at in evaluating a student, um, a teacher and how their students did. But I do wanted to make sure that one of the things, one of the themes that has been brought up in our discussions has been about Yes, we're talking about high school and graduation measures, but also understanding that we need to build these things up from pre-K through elementary through middle school. And so a lot of these the big broader topics is how do we support that in high school, but beginning from pre-K elementary and into high school, that it's it's second nature by the time they're in high school. So it's a part of the discussion that we keep going and, you know, we'd love to continue to hear from the public about their thoughts and inputs on it. So uh, Bobson and Cherie, there were community hearings on this subject that were cut short during COVID. Are there going to be ways for our listeners and other community members and parents to give feedback to the members of the commission either before or after they come up, like hopefully before they come up with your proposals? Um, are there going to be hearings or how can, how can people give you their views and their feedback on these issues? So the first one definitely is the, currently right now, we take information through our, their system called the thought exchange. And what it is, is we put out a question that we develop each month um, looking for the public's feedback on these questions on that specifically comes out of our, our presentation and our discussion. And that's on the, on the website. It's on the website. It's on our social medias. uh, It's on the commission. You can definitely find it. Because I answered the first round, which was what should high school, but I didn't realize it changes over time. Every month. Yeah. You should keep on doing that. And are there going to be hearings, additional hearings? Do you know? So I don't know if there's going to be additional hearings or community wise because they have shortened our timeline. Like we do have to have a recommendation in the fall. So there may be in terms of presentation of what we decide for it, but it is something that also we can push forward to like do things within our communities. They do ask us as members who have constituents to like take what we're learning back. So thank you so much, Bobson, Cherie, Danielle, and Jeanette. Thank you all for joining us tonight on Talk Out of School, sharing your thoughts on the graduation requirements for high school diploma. I expect we'll do another show on this subject. I hope you can come back. This is Laini Hameson, host of Talk Out of School on WBAI 99.5 FM, Pacifica Radio. Our show is available as a podcast. If you missed the live version, if you hear it through Apple, please leave a review and please consider becoming a member of WBAI or a special supporter of this show, Talk Out of School, by calling 212-209-2950. There's no other show on the air that delves deeply into the issues affecting our schools like this one. You can also contribute online at WBAI.org. We need the support of listeners like you to keep going as one of the only non-commercial, purely membership-supported radio stations in New York City that doesn't run any ads. I'll be back soon with another episode of Talk Out of School. Until then, be careful, be safe, and thanks so much for listening. Up in the morning and out to school The teacher is teaching the golden rule American history and practical math
I know.